Chapter 2, A New Mind Sometimes I feel scared. And most of the time when I feel that way, I have no idea what I'm afraid of. It comes in waves and grips me. It's almost paralyzing. I try to do things and can't. I try to think, but my thoughts are stuck and I'm not really sure why. Maybe my thoughts are stuck on the absolute worst case scenarios of my current realities. Usually the truth about my current reality is that there is far more good than bad, so it's confusing. You see, I have a habit of taking well-calculated risks that tend to be successful. But still I freeze, and I'm still afraid. My biggest enemy is me. Our thoughts and our mind can control us. I used to think that the circumstances that someone grew up in or lives in were the most important determining factors for their life outcome. I have since changed my stance on that. I know twin brothers who lived drastically different lives. They had a tough upbringing in a dysfunctional family. And despite being twins, sharing the same parents, and being given the same education, they ended up on opposite sides of the spectrum. One is a very successful entrepreneur and completed a professional postgraduate degree. The other started community college but didn't finish, has addiction issues, and can't seem to hold a steady job. My conclusion is that the situation does not determine who you are. It reveals you to yourself. And when revealed to yourself, you have choices to make. In this present moment, whatever situation you find yourself in, whether good or bad, it is up to you to continue on the same path or make a change. I've always felt scared. I've always had these freeze-up moments. There are times when I froze and when unable to do what I had set out to do. And more often than not, with learning, the fear I felt regenerated itself into positive energy. The Bible talks about this. It says we have the power to be renewed by our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Some of the most successful people I know are the ones who found themselves in the worst of circumstances, yet were determined to take action and do the work to create a positive outcome. My friend Brian is a great example. Everyone loves to be around Brian. He's in the life-saving business. For pay, he's a fireman in his local community, but his heart is with his local church. He and his wife have served as youth pastors there for many years. Brian met Dusty while they were both still in high school. Before she was 16, they had their first kid and were married. This caused a strain, not only in their young marriage, but in their relationship with others as well. The military became a quick fix for Brian, but it did not resolve the issues lingering in his heart. Soon came alcohol, next unwise and unfaithful choices that would strain his family even more. In his lowest moment, alone at his house, he held a gun to his head and whispered a single prayer. God, save me if you have a plan for me. That isolated plea, uttered in one breath, was all God needed to hear to bring Brian back to life and reveal his purpose to him. Brian's friend was in the neighborhood and on a whim decided to stop by. The perfect timing of the knock on the door startled Brian and he put down the gun to answer the door. He has never been the same since. Almost like the door he opened revealed God instead of his friend. Every day, Brian is forced to deal with the thoughts that once controlled him. 
every day. Brian decides that through Christ, he is more than a conqueror and makes a choice to be better. And that baby that Brian and Dusty had when they're in teens is now a college student studying to be a doctor. They have three more kids too, all adopted from pretty drastic situations. Brian is teaching them what it means to renew their minds every day. Radical honesty. As the circumstances of life causes our true selves to be revealed, the choices we have become internal. It is within ourselves that we make the decision to grow or remain unchanged. It is within ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit that we allow our minds to be renewed. The first and most practical step of this process is radical honesty. Radical honesty is the willingness to accept and admit the truth that has been revealed about yourself. To understand how to get to radical honesty, we have to first realize that we have a natural propensity to hide from the truth. It's in our gene pool. We hide. It all started with Adam and Eve. The world began as a strictly beautiful place, meaning that everything was beautiful and nothing bad or harmful existed. Adam and Eve's neglect of a single rule caused the demise of all mankind. As they both ate from that tree, Adam and Eve were instilled with the knowledge of good and evil. It was much more a curse than it sounds, and they immediately recognized the error of their ways. Suddenly, they realized they were naked, and they hid their bodies. They heard the Lord walking through the beautiful garden and hid from him. God, already knowing what they have done, then commands that there are certain hardships being planted into every human thereafter. That means you and me. We've inherited a gene pool that, literally, since the first humans, includes a tendency to hide. So I can't help but think that when we're forced to face the truth, our first and natural tendency is to do the same thing that Adam and Eve did. We hide from it. Think about it. When you were a kid, you caught doing something you shouldn't be doing by your parents for the first time. What did you do? Lie about it? Cover it up? <laughs> if you didn't, you weren't born on this planet. As we progress from being a child and enter adolescence and adulthood, we mostly eliminate that externally exhibited behavior. The relationships we hold with those that we interact with on a daily basis are largely bent towards honesty because we have learned and adopted that behavior. Most likely, we have learned that behavior from doing the opposite and getting caught. We know that there are negative consequences from hiding from the truth. Many people adopt the external behavior because that's what they've been taught to do. Yet they have not let yet yet they have not learned how to react internally. God covers us. What I love about the story of Adam and Eve is that the covering they created for themselves was insufficient. When they realized they were naked, they took fig leaves and sewed them together with vines or whatever they had available to use. Yes, they were covered, but I'm sure little was left to the imagination. They hide from God, but there really is no hiding from God. As Adam and Eve come out from their hiding place, God first delivers a discipline to their sin. What he does next illustrates exactly the portrait of what could happen for us internally if we choose. God creates for them clothing out of animal hide, a method, by the way, that is still in use today. The fig leaf clothing they had designed did not have the strength to stand up against the storms that would come. Animal hide would cover and provide protection. 
We often recognize glimpses of the truth that exist in the situations that reveal ourselves. When we choose only to deal with that glimpse of the truth, we are wearing fig leaves instead of clothing made from hides. When we allow God to be at the center of renewing our mind, he covers us completely. We can withstand the storms that may come. We know that with the truth came consequences. But now, we know radical honesty for Adam and Eve also brought covering and protection beyond what they could provide for themselves. Find someone you trust. Being radically honest can be hard. Since I believe it to be a learned behavior, I find it helpful to have someone I know who loves me and that I can trust help me through this process. I had a pastor who recognized these freeze-up moments that I would experience. These moments were really embarrassing. What I wasn't able to admit was that there's a prevalence of this in meetings and gatherings with other people. It turns out they're a symptom of some trauma I experienced growing up. And it took someone that I trusted to help me work through it and be honest with myself. I knew what was happening to me internally whenever I froze up, but I would have never admitted it out loud because it's easier to pretend like it doesn't happen, to hide from it, to cover it with fig leaves. I could actually fool myself into thinking that no one realized what was going on but me. When my pastor confronted me about them, I was embarrassed and played the fool, denial. But after sensing he was truly on my side and really trying to help me, I felt much better about being open and honest with him. We were able to find the root of the problem and the trauma that I experienced when I was younger, just because I was honest and open with him. And we found the root of my problem does not mean that the problem disappeared. I was forced to face and decide which option I would choose. Something that continues to this very day. My mind had to be renewed. It was very difficult at first. I learned the more honest I was, the more covering and protection God gave me in the form of strength. When Nathan confronted King David about a sin with Bathsheba, David had been keeping that affair a secret for quite some time. The bond Nathan and King David shared enabled David to bring out and deal with this struggle. David was able to confide in Nathan, whom he trusted, and remain king because the Lord was able to provide healing. Like King David, when I came out of hiding with someone that I trust, the Lord was able to provide healing. Courageous decision-making. The next step to having a renewed mind is courageous decision-making. Our culture has been overtaken by victims. Many people refuse to take responsibility for themselves and instead delight in the false sense of security that blame brings. With many of these victim-minded people do not realize is that taking responsibility affords them the luxury of healing. It takes courageous decision-making to experience that healing. The turmoil and circumstances in which some people live are of their own doing. These include those who cheated on their spouse, could not control their spending, or have an untamed tongue. Others have been touched by evil and forced to live in something they did not create. They have been abused, abandoned, taken advantage of, or simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. The route to any of these circumstances is vastly different, but the way out can be the same. Created turmoil. The Bible describes Peter as someone who created his own turmoil. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, one of the top three to be exact. Jesus actually said he was going to use Peter to build his church, yet just before Jesus died on the cross, Peter denied even knowing him. The Bible goes on to tell us that this happened three times before the sun had even risen.
Imagine how Peter felt. He denied knowing Jesus after being by his side nonstop for three years. And on the very same day that Jesus would die at that. The Bible says that Peter wept bitterly over this moment. Judas is another example of someone who created his own circumstance. Judas was one of the 12 disciples with Jesus during his span of ministry. When it came time for Jesus to be handed over to the soldiers who would crucify him, Judas turned his back on his Savior and gave him up for a few dollars. You and I have encountered situations that have created turmoil in our lives. Some may be big, others may be small. The mark of a successful lesson learned and the luxury of healing is residing within the depths of these moments. There are not many differences between the choices Peter and Judas made. There is, however, an enormous difference in their responses afterward. When forced to deal with the reality of what he did, Peter came back. He did not run away. When Jesus rises from the tomb, Peter is the only name mentioned, along with the other unnamed disciples who are spoken of by this angel. The first thing Jesus wanted to see after conquering death was his best friend, Peter. Peter made the decision to put aside his grief and shame and see Jesus. It takes courage to show up when you know the circumstance hasn't been good. Peter grieved his mistakes and chose to rise above them. Judas, unwilling to accept the redemptive work of the cross, disengaged by hanging himself. I'm certain that Jesus would have forgiven Judas if he had chosen that path. Touched by evil. I encountered evil in the form of trauma that created these freeze-up moments in my life. Really, I was stuck in it and hadn't learned to get past my past. In many ways, I played a victim in my mental thinking. Courageous decision-making takes shape when I choose to apply action about the radical honesty that I am now aware of. Like me, my friend Lexi is someone who encountered trauma by no fault of her own. When she was just a kid, she began being sexually abused in the basement of her home. As if that wasn't enough, soon her neighbor began to exploit her. He was older, told her that he loved her. She was 12 and didn't know any difference. She loved him back. Her neighbor told her, that when certain cars were at his house, she was to ride her bike to his house on a special route that he mapped out. When she got there, she was drugged and sold for short-term sessions of hell on earth. Years went by before Lexi realized that she was being sex trafficked out of her own house. She was in college and opened a textbook to find a definition that fit the description of her experience. She knew the baggage she carried because of what they had done, finally came to grips with it. Now, as a young adult, Lexi is a nationally known activist fighting for young girls throughout the country who find themselves in similar circumstances. She's had a reality TV show on A&E, speaks at many conferences, trains hundreds of law enforcement personnel, and even holds a press conference, once with the governor of New Jersey at the Super Bowl. Lexi could have walked away from experiencing love ever again. She could have felt worthless for the rest of her life. She could have played the victim card to gain sympathy from those around her. But like Peter, she chose to apply action to the situation she encountered by facing her radical honesty and dealing with it. Action required. Entitlement is birthed out of being given excessive gifts without any regard to the cost that it took to receive the gift. Without understanding the cost, you have no idea how to properly steward and regain the gift. 
True luxury comes from having an excess of what you earn because you know how to get it again. I can't help but think that the bad situations we find ourselves in are opportunities to gain the luxury of a new mind. There is an end goal in which the process of the action it will take to complete will instill immeasurable value. The inheritance that we receive due to the sins of Adam and Eve requires reprogramming our brain. This should be seen as a gift more than anything else. We have seen the entitlement behavior they displayed without properly understanding how to steward the gift of their beautiful lives. The exchange is now we have the opportunity to have a beautiful mind. Simply put, the action required is a resolve to keep going when we feel like quitting. Peter kept going. Lexi kept going. Brian kept going. I keep going. Judas, quit. The Holy Spirit is working within you. Keep going. Don't give up. The power from him makes you more than a conqueror. In the Bible, 1 Corinthians 9 says to run the race that's before us, with our eyes on the prize that is eternal and not to give up. David is a wrestler for the United States Olympic wrestling team. He won a gold medal. When asked about his achievements and what it takes to be the best wrestler in the world, his motivation was simple. Keep trying. He said good wrestlers give everything they have each period. And when the first period is over, they say, I'm going to give all I have in this next period. Great wrestlers give everything they have each minute. When the first minute is up, they say, I'm going to give you all I got in the next minute. But the world's best wrestler, he gives everything he has every second. When the first second is up, David says, I'm going to give all that I have this next second. And when that second's up, he says, I'm going to give all that I have this next second. What would it look like for you to give all that you have each second to chase after the ability to be renewed by the power of the cross? List some areas where you've compromised your end goals with immediate satisfaction. For example, I have a friend who desires financial freedom but tips into shopping as an escape mechanism.